Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 kevin mccarthy's bipartisan debt ceiling legislation passes the house and heads to the senate i think kevin mccarthy uh, negotiated a deal probably about as well as he could have christopher ray confirms there's a form linking vice president biden to a bribery scheme. The director did, to his credit, admit that the document existed, which is good because that's what the whistleblower alleges. Hundreds of Amazon workers walk off the job amid layoffs over what they call climate concerns. Does this amount to a distraction for the company at a time when it is seeing slowing growth? This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, June 1st, I'm Mike Scott. Late on Wednesday in a 314 to 117 vote, the House passed the debt ceiling deal that was cut between House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Joe Biden. Yeas are 314, the nays are 117. The bill is passed. Without objection, a motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Reporter Hallie Jackson in Washington admits it's hard to see this vote as anything but a win for Kevin McCarthy. Yes, this is something that Kevin McCarthy can point to down the road as a sign of where his speakership is. You have to remember the context and the background here. That In order to become speaker, he had to make some real concessions, largely to conservative hardliners, including that it would only take one person, right, one member to come in and say, I want to oust Kevin McCarthy. I want to overthrow Kevin McCarthy, right? So that is the that is the tightrope that he is going to be walking for his entire term as speaker. That one person can come in and at least bring that up for a possibility. That didn't even happen this time around, right? So like the 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 concern among the conservative hardliners never reached that point. Um, and so I think for Kevin McCarthy, the, the the ball is now in the Senate's court. As of about forty five seconds ago, and it was gaveled, the ball now goes over to the Senate, and that is where you have seen even today. Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, the top Democrat and the top Republican in the Senate both have a consensus and say, we've got to get this done. We've got to move this forward. The deal, while praised for its bipartisanship, was deeply criticized by both far left progressive Democrats and Republican Freedom Caucus members, with progressives saying the bill cut too much from government programs, while many in the right Freedom Caucus say the bill didn't cut enough spending. However, economic experts agree the deal was better than the alternative, which would have been a devastating blow to President Biden's already rocky economy that is struggling with stubborn inflation. According to what is known of the 99-page bill, it restricts spending for the next two years, imposes new work requirements for older Americans receiving food aid and green lights, an Appalachian natural gas line that many Democrats oppose. 
Kevin McCarthy highlighted a few provisions in the bill that he's most proud of. Not only did we give you the greatest savings in American history, there's going to be people who are on welfare today that will no longer be on welfare, that they will find a job because of the work requirement. And not just when they find that job, their self-worth, their attitudes are going to change. They're going to believe in themselves. They're going to be able to buy a house, send their kids to college because of the vote we took tonight. Because of the vote we took tonight, the largest rescissions in American history. All the COVID money, the billions of dollars sitting out there that they said they would never bring back. You know what? To the taxpayer, to you hardworking Americans, we stood for you. We brought that money back. The speaker goes on to suggest that the extra money that was taken from the IRS should be given to border agents. For those who are afraid that they're going to get audited because the president wants to have 87,000 new IRS agents, right now he has zero. We took every single dollar they were going to hire somebody this year away. And I promise you, I'll be back next year and next year and next year. Because I believe government should be here to help you, not go after you. We didn't just take the money from this year, we took another $20 billion. I think we should get some more border agents with that $20 billion. I think that's where America would want to see us go. McCarthy is proud that House Republicans were able to put Americans first. Each week, we have stood up for the American public be it its strongest border security, be it a parent's bill of rights so you can have a say in your kid's education, be it ending the pandemic or standing up against those who are weak on crime to make our streets safer. Tonight, I hope we proved it to you again, that we put the citizens of America first. And we didn't do it by taking the easy way. We didn't do it by the ways that people did it in the past, by just lifting it. We decided that you had to spend less, and we achieved that goal. McCarthy promises that he's not giving up the fight over the deficit. Is it everything I wanted? No. But sitting with one House, with a Democratic Senate, and a Democratic president who didn't want to meet with us, I think we did pretty dang good for the American public. My, my last question, my last statement to everyone in America... I will never give up on you. It wasn't an easy fight. I had people on both sides upset. But I was focused on you. And I will stay focused on you because I'm waking up tomorrow going after everything we didn't get here today. Stephen Moore is a senior economic contributor for FreedomWorks, and he joined the Salem Radio Network saying that while there's a lot in the deal that he doesn't like, it's probably the best deal Republicans are going to get while a Democrat is still president. There's a lot not to like in this package, for sure. And I'm really upset about the fact that they really didn't cut back on the 87,000 IRS agents. I, I saw someone saying this morning that instead of 87,000 agents, they're only have 84,000 more agents. Gee whiz, that, that's a relief. I can sleep well at night, not worry about the IRS knocking on my door in the middle of the night. Um, Look, I think Kevin McCarthy, let, let's remember that Republicans only have one half of one third of the government right now in terms of a very slim majority in the House of Representatives. I think Kevin McCarthy uh, negotiated a deal probably 
about as well as he could have. But I know a lot of people would disagree with that. And so, um, you know, my bottom line is, look, if you're frustrated about this out of control government, if you think it spends too much, borrows too much, wields too much power, as you do and I do and most of the people listening to your show do, then we got to get rid of this president. That's it's that simple. Moore points out how wrong the White House is for believing that they could have raised the debt ceiling by using the 14th Amendment. And it was been incredibly irresponsible for the president and the Treasury secretary to run not just around the country, but around the world, telling people that we're going to default on our debt. I think I said this a month ago on your show, Sebastian, so I'll say it loud and clear again. There is no default on the debt. That's never going to happen. By the way, it's unconstitutional. You've heard a lot of talk lately, Sebastian, about the 14th Amendment. Talk about a perversion of what that amendment says. It says that the full faith and credit of the United States government uh, stands behind the debt, and the debt must not be repudiated. That's right. It cannot be repudiated. That means the government has to pay the debt. So how does the president come away thinking, oh, I have the unilateral power to issue new debt? Those are two entirely different things. Senators who have remained largely on the sidelines during much of the negotiations are insisting on amendments to reshape the package. But making any changes at this stage seems unlikely, with so little time to spare before the Monday deadline. A North Korean spy satellite has failed, with the rocket crashing into the sea. More on this story from Daybreak Insider's Mimi Montgomery. In parts of South Korea and Japan, residents took shelter after North Korea launched a rocket, which later crashed into the sea. Admitting failure is a setback to leader Kim Jong-un's push to boost military capability amid tension with the U.S. and South Korea, but North Korea is now promising to look into what went wrong and try a second launch soon. Any North Korean satellite launch is a violation of U.N. Security Council resolutions that ban the country from launches that use ballistic technology. I'm Mimi Montgomery. On Wednesday... Republican Congressman James Comer of Kentucky spoke with FBI Director Christopher Wray about a file that the FBI has. So far, the FBI is refusing to hand over to Congress that file, even though it was subpoenaed from the House Oversight Committee. The file allegedly has information that ties then-Vice President Joe Biden to an alleged bribery scheme with a foreign national. The House Oversight uh, Committee Chairman James Comer says that he will pursue contempt charges against the head of the FBI now that the Bureau is refusing to turn over a subpoenaed document. The form in question is used by the FBI to record unverified information from a confidential source. Comer alleges the form could show that Joe Biden engaged in a criminal bribery scheme with a foreign national while he was the vice president. Now, the White House strongly denies those allegations. The FBI says it is cooperating in good faith. And Comer, the congressman, spoke this afternoon with the head of the FBI, Christopher Wray. Comer explains what happened during his phone call with the FBI director. Well, Senator Grassley was on the call with me as well. We were in the same room, so uh, it was a joint call. Uh, but uh, basically, we expressed our displeasure uh, with Director Ray that uh, we requested this document, which is unclassified, uh, almost 40 days ago. 
and we've received nothing but the runaround uh, and that uh, he hadn't even admitted that the document existed. By the end of the phone call, the director did, to his credit, admit that the document existed, which is good because that's what the whistleblower alleges. Uh, the reason that I'm concerned about this document is because, number one, this fits a pattern that we've already uh, disclosed to the American people with what happened in Romania, where when Joe Biden was vice president, less than two weeks after he left Romania, talking about foreign policy and foreign aid, uh, this allegation was made. Uh, at a time when Joe Biden was was uh, in this particular country, and I'm not talking about Romania, I'm talking about a new country, and uh, it's very consistent with what we found in Romania. So what we're concerned with is the fact that we don't believe the FBI even knew that this allegation existed because they get a lot of Form 1023s. The Kentucky Republican says that he will hold Director Ray in contempt of Congress if he is not provided the subpoenaed document. He, he implied that he was not going to give it to us, that we could come look at a redacted version. And I told Director Ray that I would be happy to do that, but we were still going to hold him in contempt of Congress unless he produced the document, because this document is, is critical to our investigation. And again, this fits a pattern that we've already discovered in other countries where when Joe Biden was vice president, so you were, his so you family were still started receiving payments soon after a visit. Comer says the FBI showing a pattern of behavior that ignores congressional oversight. If he doesn't comply with a congressional subpoena, look, there are a lot of people in this building right now that believe that we have several government bureaucracies that are out of control. The way this system was designed is there's supposed to be check and balances, and the House Oversight Committee is supposed to have congressional oversight over uh, every federal government agency. Uh, but what we have you- with the FBI is instance after instance where they turn their nose up at congressional inquiries. This is not a classified document. This isn't something that should be very difficult to produce. And I've already produced more than enough evidence to show that this document could potentially be true. This allegation could potentially be true because something happened in Romania, something happened in China, something happened in at least two other countries where when Joe Biden left there as vice president, his family started getting money uh, to shell companies they created that were then laundered down to their personal bank accounts. this This is the most serious accusation that's ever been leveled. Critics of the FBI say the agency's response to the congressional investigation makes it seem as though the FBI is trying to cover up information that may paint the Biden administration in a negative light. They say that because the FBI at first refused to acknowledge the document's existence, only to confirm it later. It made the law enforcement agency look like it had something to hide. Currently, the FBI says lawmakers can view the document, but only at the FBI headquarters. Two more Republican heavyweights are expected to join the growing field of GOP contenders for the 2024 nomination. Daybreak Insider's Mike Hempen has the very latest news on the road to the White House. 
Two people familiar with plans say former Vice President Mike Pence will announce he's running next Wednesday, June 7th, the date of his 64th birthday. That would put him in direct competition with his old boss, former President Donald Trump. Advisors say Pence plans to campaign aggressively for conservative evangelical Christian voters who make up a substantial portion of Iowa's Republican electorate. Pence is an avowed social conservative and favors a national abortion ban. The campaign is expected to rely heavily on town halls and retail stops aimed at showcasing Pence's personality. I'm Mike Hempen. of corporate Amazon workers protested Wednesday against the company's progress on its climate goals and over its mandatory return to in-person work. Hundreds of Amazon workers staging a walkout at company headquarters today in Seattle and hundreds more plan to join remotely. It's a protest over the mandate forcing employees to return to work at least three days a week and recent layoff announcements. In a statement, Amazon says the company respects the employee's right to express their opinions. The walkout was organized by Amazon employees for climate justice, a climate change advocacy group founded by some of the company's workers. According to the organizers, over 1,900 employees participated. However, Amazon officials confirm only about 300 joined in. They're complaining about a few things. They're walking out over a few things. One is return to office. Second is layoffs. Remember that at the end of last year and this year, they did their biggest rounds of cuts ever, equaling 27,000 employees. Also, Amazon's environmental record. And as you said, Tyler, sort of a lack of trust or setting a lack of trust in the company's leadership's decision making. Um, to put this in perspective, Amazon worldwide has about 350,000 corporate and tech workers. This is separate from the warehouse workers that man those fulfillment centers where we have also seen some rising worker turmoil in terms of strikes and unionization. So this is something that Amazon faces on a number of fronts, both in the blue collar side and the white collar side. This one in particular is looking at those corporate employees. Guys, it is a very, very small number of vocal people. But again, we've talked about this in the past is that does this amount to a distraction for the company at a time when it is seeing slowing growth. Bosa believes that the walkout doesn't portend to a larger issue with Amazon, but instead that it comes at a time when Amazon is trying to rein in company spending. I think it reflects the idea that Amazon has become the second largest employer in the country. That is private employer. And, you know, I've been covering the Amazon shareholders meetings for years. And there is a vocal group of employees that come out and don't necessarily like the environmental record or things that Amazon is doing. So it's not actually that unusual, Hmm. um, but it does come at sort of an important moment for Amazon when it's trying to find fiscal discipline. Um, when Andy Jassy, you're right, has been less than two years in the job, I think coming up to two years, when he has to manage sort of this rising unrest amid the workforce. Bosa also weighed in on the lawsuit that Amazon is facing over its security camera device called Ring. Ring is its security camera devices. And I'm looking at the suit now, and it's claiming that Ring employees and contractors were given unnecessary and unrestricted access to customers' sensitive video data. Um, and, you know, this is, they're so widely used that I don't know how many people or how wide this is, but it's saying that it didn't limit access to customers' video data and that there was some, you know, 
some liberties taken, and this certainly isn't the first lawsuit from regulators or the first look that regulators are taking. So at the same time, this is piling up to uh, Kelly, not just for not just for Amazon, but for the other big tech companies also. Amazon released a statement regarding the pushback on coming into the office, saying, "Quote: The company understands it will take time to adjust. We're always listening and will continue to do so." But we're happy with how the first month of having more people back in the office has been, end quote. After ballooning for years, CEO pay growth is finally slowing. But it would still take a typical worker two lifetimes to make their annual pay. We get more on this from our Daybreak Insider, Julie Walker. The typical compensation package for chief executives who run S&P 500 companies rose just 0.9% last year to a median of $14.8 million. That's according to data analyzed for the Associated Press by Equilar. It was the smallest increase since 2015. Still, the drop is unlikely to quell mounting criticism that CEO pay has become excessively high and the imbalance between company bosses and -and rank-and-file workers too wide. Julie Walker, New York. One airline now requires a weigh-in. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has more on how the skies may be becoming a little more unfriendly. New Zealand's national airline is asking passengers to step on the scales before they board international flights. Air New Zealand says it wants to weigh 10,000 passengers during a month-long survey so pilots can better know the weight and balance of their planes before takeoff. The airline promises there will be no visible display anywhere, and the weigh-in data will remain anonymous even to airline staff. The numbers are required by the nation's industry watchdog, the Civil Aviation Authority. Tasha Stevens reporting. And finally... The truth is out there, and NASA intends to discover it. The space agency has put together an independent group of scientists, and they convened a first-of-its-kind public hearing on UAPs, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, on Wednesday. For the last seven months, a group of scientists convened by NASA have been looking for tangible answers. And today... They held a rare public hearing to share their research into what they are calling unidentified aerial phenomena. So far, the panel says that they haven't found conclusive evidence that UAPs are extraterrestrial in nature. However, they aren't ruling it out either. In fact, they made it clear that they simply don't have enough data to draw any specific conclusions. Jeremy Corbell is an investigative journalist, and he was the one responsible for getting the military to release their videos confirming the existence of UAPs. And he says that a lot was learned from Wednesday's meeting. We did learn some things. We learned that the FAA received 68 UAP reports just in February alone. We've learned that ERA, which is our government UFO or UAP study program, has now over 800 active cases. We've learned that UAP are admittedly a a national security concern. And, you know, NASA's role is becoming clear in this. It's to remove the stigma, enroll more scientists to encourage UFO or UAP 
reporting and helped to seek and provide high quality data so that other organizations can study too. So I'm very encouraged by what we saw today. The investigative journalist says that NASA's formation of the panel is a great step in the direction of having an honest conversation around these sightings. So what are they going to find? Well, the big question really everybody wants to know is where are UFOs from? There's been a presence of UFOs or UAP here for a long time. So everybody wants to know who are they from? Who's piloting them? How do they make them? Where are the factories? What do they represent to humanity? So this whole thing is about UAP transparency. Corbell believes the hearing is going to go a long way to help dispel a lot of the stigma that is attached to investigating UAPs. There's so much stigma out there. All we're trying to do is solve a case, just one. And if we can get other people to help with this and find definitive answers, we're going to be living in a different world because UFOs are real. They represent machines of unknown origin that can outpace, outmaneuver, and outperform anything that the United States government has. So the question from a national security standpoint is, Who is operating these vehicles and why? The panel plans to issue its report later this summer. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.